sing this song that we learned last week. So let's sing it together.
ends of the world. Kids with love breaks the chains. In every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before him. Oh, oh, oh. Well, praise the Lord here. songs that we're about to sing for this weekend, and um, I'm in a place where, um, because of what the Lord has done in my life, because He's healed, because He's provided, it's led me to worship out of that place. So when I come in, I acknowledge what I've what I've been through, and so I'm, there there are many stories in this room of the Lord's faithfulness of how He's provided, and so what I want to challenge you to do is to take that all away and come worship the Lord because. He was most high at the beginning. And so that's what we get to sing. He's a beautiful, wonderful, powerful name. Not because of what he's done, which is great. He's done great things. But because of who he is, not because of what he's done for me.
church. Is everybody alive? Let's just give God another hand of praise. Here we go. We, we are so excited to, to just take this time to just lift up the name of Jesus and make him the number one priority. And so what we're excited about this morning is we're just going to continue on in our series called Bucket List and what's on your bucket list and what if God wrote your bucket list. And we're super excited to be on week two of that. And uh, I just want to shout out to Kara Barner and her team for planning out the church picnic last weekend. It was awesome. You know, ain't nothing about a little bit of water that's going to let a Crossroads family church picnic get washed out. Uh-uh. We just crowded. George Cheplick still cut that pig, people. It was still great. It was an awesome time. Can we just thank George for donating that pig? Yeah, it was awesome. I just want to just share one thing. If you pass the if you pass the friendship folders, we appreciate that. I want to make one announcement: is uh, right after this service in the gym at one o'clock is going to be a Christmas dessert theater uh, info meeting, and it's going to be in the gym. Lunch will be provided. Free food, people. Just go and and, and listen. And, and there's all kinds of different ways to participate. You're like, I can't act. That's okay. You can paint, or you could hand out bulletins, or you could help with the production team and maybe doing lights or doing sound, or the, you know you can help people put batteries into their their microphones. Any different way you can serve. There's all kinds of different ways to serve at the Christmas theater. So whether you're on stage, my six year old's going to be there, and he wants to play. He wants to do something. He's so excited. My six year old, he's excited to serve. And as a dad, I'm just like praising God. I'm super excited about that. But one o'clock in the gym, right after the second service, Christmas theater info meeting. Uh, just talked to Beth and her team, and we're just, we are excited and expectant that God is going to save people at this Christmas theater this year. We're just really excited. So as the ushers come forward for our morning offering, uh, if you're new with us, the offering plate that passes by, this is for those who are regular in the grace of giving. You are absolutely more than welcome to participate. Maybe uh, you, you participate by reaching in front of you and grabbing a Connect card and just writing a prayer request and putting it in the offering plate or the offering box as you leave. But guys, we're, we're just excited. We're excited about what God's doing in this church. We're excited about what God's doing in our community, in our city, and in this country. God's always on the move. And so this morning, let's just go before him and let's just seek him as we, as we uh, seek to hear from his word just in a little bit. Would you join me in prayer? God, we love you. And uh, we just, we just uh, think about that song that we just sang. I am who you say I am. We no longer are identified, God, by our past or, God, our, our, our desires to have a perfect marriage, a perfect relationship, perfect kids, perfect family, uh, climbing the career ladder, having perfect sales records, having, you know, just flawless friends at school or looking great or whatever those things are that we use to identify ourselves with. God, that's not the point. The point is, is because of Jesus Christ. I am, we are who you say we are because of Christ. And just like your word says in Corinthians, the old is gone, new has come. 
that's who we are. We're no longer all the old person. We are the new person because of Jesus Christ. We love you. You're excited about this morning. We're just excited all the time, even when we don't feel it. And so, God, as we continue on in in worship by giving and singing and just prepare to hear uh, from your word this morning, God, would you speak to us in only the way that you can speak to us? We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us in your name.
simply praise your name because we believe in you we have evidence all around we love you father we thank you that you are who you say you are and you'll do what you say you'll do soften our hearts as we hear your word we love you amen so i let go and i let love show me life like it's supposed to be started a new series entitled Bucket List. We're trying to ask you what's on your bucket list. And uh, we asked people on our Facebook page and they gave several items on their bucket list. You know, we had everything from skydiving to swimming with pigs. And uh, so whatever floats your boat on that, I'm happy for you. But uh, we're, we're excited to, make you, to, to get you to think as we're going through, a, through our bucket list series about what is your bucket list. In other words, what if God wrote your bucket list? All right, so John 10.10 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it to the full. So when I'm thinking about a bucket list, uh, that, that, that I would have a bucket list, I'm thinking of a no regrets living. Now, wouldn't it be great to, if you could come to the end of your life and you say, I had no regrets? I did everything that I set out to do, or I did everything that I was called to do. And so the, the question that we've been asking is, what if God wrote your bucket list? What if God placed you in the place that you live, in the place that you work? What if God put you in this area, and he has a bucket list for your life? In other words, there are things that he wants you to do before he calls you home. And when you, when you start to live with this idea in mind, it's really powerful because you get, the, you get a bigger sense. You get a bigger sense of purpose. And now you can begin to understand. You can say, okay, God has a plan for my life. And I am here because God, God has this plan. And it doesn't matter what didn't work out. 
Because God has the plan and it's greater. So that means that, you know, you, you put your hope and you put your trust in, in things that you want to work out and things that you were looking for to work out. But God says, no, 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 I have something different I want to do in your life. And I'm going to, I'm going to work and I have a purpose for your life. How cool is this that God has a purpose and a plan for your life, for you individually, for you as a person? He knows your name. He's got the plan figured out. And so we've been looking at this, uh, at this idea here of what if God wrote your bucket list? What if God has that plan? And he does. So start asking yourself the question, well, what does God want me to do? What does God have on my bucket list? Is it skydiving? Well, Good for you. I, I'm glad he's got that for you, right? Skydiving's not on my bucket list. I think mine is just to, uh, you know, just to live, right? So anyhow, other people have a little bit more sense of adventure than I do. But, you know, God's made us all different, all these different personalities. And so as we're looking at what does God want us to do, I believe that there are people he wants you to interact with. There are people's lives that will be changed because you are here, because God chose to use you, and he didn't call you out of this place yet. He has you here. If you're alive, God has something left on your bucket list. There's something left for you to do. So we started with this verse, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we're going to be studying Romans chapter 12 for the next few weeks here, because as I look at it, I'm like, it's just jumping off the page at me that this is God's bucket list for our life. These are the things that God wants to do in our life. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So he starts out with this word, therefore. And, uh, and we talked last week, we said, you want to go back to Romans chapter 1 through 11, because he says, therefore, based upon everything I've just told you, everything in Romans chapter 1 through 11, therefore, based upon the fact that you are a sinner and that you cannot earn heaven on your own. Based on the fact that Jesus came and gave you life. He died on the cross. He offers you eternal life. Therefore, based on all that, therefore, based on the grace of God, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. So he's saying to the church, he's saying, saying at large, therefore I urge you, I'm begging you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. He continues with verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good pleasing, and perfect will. Do you want to be able to know what God wants? Then, so don't conform to the way the world thinks, and the world has a pattern of thinking that puts self in the center. It says, don't come to that place. Don't conform anymore to the world's thinking where self is at the center. Rather, come and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is going to renew your mind? What is going to change your thoughts is going to be the gospel of Jesus. Based on Romans chapter 1 through 11, this is what is going to change your thoughts. And your thoughts change your actions. See, all the actions, the body is how your soul expresses itself, right? Uh, my, my soul cannot go down the street without this body. 
So I've got, I've got to take this body everywhere this soul's going, right? So it is how I am expressing. So he's, when he's saying to give your, your body as a living sacrifice, he's saying to give it all unto God and let him do this work. Now, there's a couple things I want you to think about. We'll put Romans 12, 1 back up here. He says to present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. In other words, he says this is your true act of worship. This is your act of worship because um, he says that we are to be a living sacrifice. Present these bodies as living sacrifices. So I want you to think with me, how are we like and unlike the Old Testament sacrifices? The Old Testament, so the people who were reading this verse, this, this was a, there was a little bit of familiarity, but it was also a new thought to them. How can you be a living sacrifice? The word sacrifice denotes killing. All right, there's some sort of death that comes when you have a sacrifice. They understood animal sacrifices. An animal sacrifice in the Old Testament, they were instructed to come and get a, a lamb that was spotless without blemish, and they would take it and they would go to the, go to the temple and they would, they would slay the lamb, they would kill the lamb, and, uh, and, and then this would be the offering for their sin. So let, let me share with you, when he's saying for us to have a, get, have a living sacrifice, the, the idea here, when you see that living and sacrifices, is a, uh, is a living killing. So it's kind of a paradox. How can you be dying and alive at the same time? So let me give you two ways that, that this living sacrifice is similar to the Old Testament. Uh, and I'm sorry, two ways that it is not like the Old Testament. And then I'm going to give you a way that it is similar to the, to the Old Testament. The Old, sacrifice, the Old Testament sacrifices, first of all, they were bloody. They were atoning for sin. And so when we come with Christian living, when we come and we give our lives, our bodies as a living sacrifice, we are, there's no blood involved. The blood was at the cross. Jesus paid it once for all forever when he died on the cross for your sin. So when you are coming and you're offering your bodies as a living sacrifice, it is not to gain favor with God. You cannot earn your way into heaven. The scripture is real clear about that. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It is by grace that you are saved through faith. That not of yourselves is not of works so that no one can boast. So, so the sacrifice is of gratitude. We're coming, and this is a gratitude. So that you're, you're not earning your f- favor with God by doing more things, by, by being a better person, by going out that. No, you're responding to his grace. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin once for all forever. And as you respond to his grace now, you're coming back and you're offering him your life. And you're saying, here's my body, take and use it. Here's my mouth, here's my thoughts, here's my feet. And, and as we went last week and we said, give the parts of your body over to God. <clears throat> and, and, and so the other way that it's unlocked the Old Testament was that it was over. In other words, whenever, whenever the Old Testament, whenever they would slay those animals and they'd have that sacrifice, it would be over. It would be done. They would go in and the sacrifice was done. It was an event and then they walked away. They'd come back and do it again next year. Well, the living sacrifice for us is, is, is a sacrifice that has to happen every day. It, it has to be deliberate. It has to be conscious. It has to be continual. It has to be perpetual. It's something that happens over and over and over and over and over every day. As I shared with you before, that the problem with the living sacrifice is that sometimes the sacrifice crawls off the altar, okay? And that, that's, just, that's just what happens. And that's what happens to me. That's what happens to you. We come, and, and maybe some of you, you're wondering, why do I struggle so much with this? Because it's not something that's one and done. 
We're coming with our living sacrifice. Our atonement was one and done. Jesus t- paid the price once for all forever. That is once done for all forever. But whenever we're talking about our living sacrifice, I have to come back to God every day. I th- sometimes I have to come back to God before dinner. You know, do you ever have those rough days? It's like, man, I, I get up in the morning, I give myself to God, say, God, here, please use me today, I, I'm your servant. And then, you know, about the middle of the day, all of a sudden my pride gets in the way. All of a sudden I start having, you know, I want to glorify myself a little bit more than glorifying God. It's like, all right, man, I got to come back, I got to reoffer myself to God. It's a continuous, perpetual. Um, but in a sense, though, how is it similar to the Old Testament? Is that there's a death. And so in the Old Testament, there was a death. And so with our sacrifices, there too is a death. And the death, what is the death? It's not our bodies dying, no. The death is you're putting your right to choose to live however you want to live. You're putting that to death. Did you catch that? I'm putting my desires to just do whatever I want. God's given us this incredible book. And he tells you how to live. He gives you the principles for life. He tells you what will guide your life, what will change your life. And when I'm a living sacrifice, I come and I surrender my rights. And I say, God, it's not about what I want today. It's not about what I'm choosing is best, but it's what you choose is best. So I'm coming before God and I'm surrendering. You know, we live in a world not just in America, but all around our globe right now, that that is total foreign thought, isn't it? That we would surrender to anybody else. It's like, do what you think is the best. And and if anybody else makes you feel bad, this isn't about making anybody feel bad. This is about what God has for your life. God has something that is so powerful for your life. And when you come and you offer your life as a living sacrifice, you will find more life than you ever thought possible. So it, there's a death in a sense. So it's the death of your, of your selfish desire. It's the death of you being on the, on the throne. The death of self at the center. And now I'm a living sacrifice. And as I live, it's not about what I'm desiring, but it's about what God is desiring. And so many people, they, they, they will get this confused. Uh, they, they think that, wow, you know, if I can't do what is best for me anymore... If, uh, if I, I no longer belong to myself, if I have to give a, a, a death to, to my selfish desires, then maybe I don't want to be a Christian. I've heard people say that. Maybe I don't want to be a Christian. And I, and I say to uh, my, my, my response to you is, listen, uh, don't fool yourself. This, this is a sacrifice that leads to life. It's a sacrifice that leads to life. Um, there, I heard a story one time about a, a young lady. She was 15 years old. And, and, and she was 15 years old. It was in the 1930s. And she was, she was at a missionary conference. Uh, they were encouraging young people to become missionaries. Uh, in the 30s and 40s, lots of missionaries from America went all over the world. And particularly, she felt a tug towards Asia. She said, I want to go to Asia. I want to be a missionary in Asia. So she, she felt that tug to go towards, uh, towards, Asia, and, uh, towards Asia, and she, said, she heard this verse, Romans 12, 1 and 2, give yourself as a living sacrifice. So she said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to surrender everything to him, and I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to go to Asia. So she got a hold of one of the mission agencies, and the mission agency told her, here's what you have to do. In order to be a missionary, you've got to finish high school, number one. 
Number two, you got to go through some Bible and theology classes, and it was kind of like four years of Bible training, kind of like Bible college. And then on top of that, we have a two-year program where you learn all the cross-cultural and you, and you learn really the nitty-gritty of being a missionary. So once you've done all that training, there's only one other thing that you need. You need a husband. And, 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 and if you don't have a husband, you can't, we won't send you over there. And, you know, and you ask why, because in that day it was pretty dangerous. They weren't going to send a single woman over there. And uh, many, many missionaries were dying in that day. And so, so she went to prayer, and she said, man, God, here's how it's going to be. I'm going to be a missionary to Asia, and I'm giving my life to you. So I'm taking my hands off my life to be a missionary for you. And I'm going to give up all the fun that I could have and all the other stuff that my friends are doing. I'm going to give up all this stuff, but I'm going to be a missionary. And God, I'll go through the training. I can do all this stuff. There's just one thing I need from you, and that's a husband, right? So... How about that? Just one thing I need from you, God. I can do the training on my own, right? But I need a husband. So what'd she do? She started, she, she went through high school. She finished high school. Then she went through her four years of Bible college. And as she went through her four years of Bible college, she was really struggling because there was no prospects, no husband. She graduates from Bible college and she's really struggling. And she's like, well, at least I got two more years, but there's no husband, no prospect not even somebody to go to lunch with, right? So it's like, it was a pretty, pretty slim pickings for her, and she was really, really hurting. But she's like, I'm going to keep praying because I'm get, I've got my hands off my life, and God's going give to me, give me this man so that I can be this missionary, and I'm going to go be this missionary, right? And she goes through the two years of training, and she comes up to the night before she graduates from the program. No husband, no boyfriend, not even somebody that would text you in modern terms, right? And so she is, uh, she is really distraught. And she tells the story of how she went, and she, she just like, she got angry with God. And she got alone with God. She's like, but God, I, I told you that I would give my life. All you had to do was give me a husband. That's all you had to do, and you couldn't even give me a husband. And so she went through this wrestling match. And she finally came down to this, that the night before she graduated that program, she finally realized that God didn't want her to be a missionary. But she, she had a desire. And so she thought she was letting go of her life, right? So as she was holding on to her life, she was making something noble. She was making something that was pretty righteous, pretty prideful. And she, she had her plan. And God said, I've got another plan for your life. It's not to be a missionary. Would you just relax? If it were, you would have had that husband. You'd have been gone, right? And so, so she came to this understanding that through all that process, through all that six years of training, through all that, that she was putting herself in the driver's seat. And she had something noble that she was going to go after. And God says, I got another plan for you. And I want you to relax. And she said that day that she was able to truly surrender and become a living sacrifice. She was able to truly become a living sacrifice. She finally let go of her dreams, of her hopes, of what she wanted, even though they were good. You see, sometimes we have things that are very good, and we come before God and we say, God, if you will give me this good thing, I'm your servant. God, if, 
And we can do it, everything from good, good things at your job, good things in your family, good things in ministry, becoming a missionary. God, if you will do this, then I will have arrived. And God says, that's not how this works. I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to live every day for me. I want you to report in for duty. And I'm going to tell you what you need to do that day. Now, how cool is that, that you have this opportunity to get up tomorrow morning before you go to work and say, God, here are my hands, here's my feet, here's my mouth. Instruct me what to do today. Do you know when when people check in like that with God, he actually tells you? It's so cool. He will actually guide you. He will give you. And all of a sudden, by lunchtime, you'll say, wow, I gave, I, I presented myself as a living sacrifice this morning, and God allowed me to bring sunshine to somebody's day. God allowed me to, 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 uh, to make an impact. God allowed me to, to do this. And, you, and all of a sudden, you start to praise him, and, and you see this, this reciprocal. And then, then guess what you got to do again on Tuesday? God, I'm going to work again today. Please. Or how about this? You're going to the family reunion this afternoon. That's a little bit harder, isn't it? God somehow used me today, all right? God, I don't even want to go to the family reunion, right? God, help me, all right? And so you come before God. You say, God, I'm going to the family reunion because I know that's what you're telling me to do. But you're going to have to use my... Actually, you're going to have to shut my mouth, right? Yeah. So it's like you've you got to go through this, and you, and you come before God, and you give him all those things, right? God, how about, how, how about with the, that relationship that I'm saying, if I get that relationship, then, wow, that is where the real struggle comes from. It, it's a sacrifice. And so here's what happens. When we make this living sacrifice, and you can sacrifice, God gives you life. And when you make that living sacrifice, he gives you life. This lady in the story, she shared that the reason that she was able to come to that point was because she understood that God is infinitely wise and he is infinitely loving. If he is infinite in his wisdom, then no matter what happens in your life, God is still in control. If he is infinite in his love, no matter what you've lost, God still loves you. And God has the picture. He's standing back. He has the bird's eye view. He can see everything, and I can only see this much. I put these blinders onto my life because I'm so finite. You know, at nighttime, I put the headlights on a car. I can see about 60 feet in front of me, right? But I don't stop driving the car just because I can't see all the way home. You know, imagine that. I'd still be up here this morning if I couldn't see last night whenever I left, right? If you can't, you know, you, got, you take those steps. And so God reveals to us, and we just keep going. And all you could see was something tragic. And God says, wait a minute. Give yourself to me as a living sacrifice. Give yourself to me, and I will give you life. I will give you freedom, and you have more freedom and more life when you start to understand that's what, who he is and what he does uh, the, the other side is, is this. It is your spiritual act of worship, all right? Romans 12.1 says this is your spiritual act of worship. And if I could say this, uh, it's your true service. It's your true service. The, the word spiritual there can also be translated true. Some translations use the word reasonable. It, look, it only makes sense. If Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins, it, it only makes sense for you to present your body as a living sacrifice. It's the only logical, reasonable response to the cross. 
It's the only response is that I come and I give my life to him. So whenever I come, I got to come back every day and I make this act of worship. But, but, but let me share this. The reality is if you don't, now check this out. The word true, you can take this word spiritual and put the word true in there. This is your true act of worship. When you're worshiping something else, and we all go there, we all worship things. We worship people. We worship somebody else's approval. And here's what happens. When you're worshiping somebody's approval and you don't get it, you know what happens when you're worshiping approval and you don't get it? You're a slave to their approval. You're a slave and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. You're saying, if they'll just recognize me, I've done all this, if they would just recognize me. You become a slave. When you're a, slave, when you're, when you're a living sacrifice for God, God loves you just the way you are. He sees all your shortcomings. He sees all your problems. He says, I died for you. I've given you eternal life. Thank you. And you know what? You, you say, my performance didn't meet up last week. God says, you're still my child. You are the child of the most high God. Get that. Let's get that. You know, walk out of here with a name tag. Hi, I'm Ken, child of the most high God. Do you think of yourself like that? That's who you are. You're the king of the universe loves you, cares for you, and he has a plan for your life. And so as you, can, as you continue on that way, come and make this your true act of worship. What you worship will determine the direction of your life. We shared that last week. What you worship will determine the direction of your life. If you live, if you are living for the what if, and the what if is if, I, if my career goes well, you will drive yourself into the ground. If you're living for the what if, if my family goes well, Listen, families are up and they're down. And whenever somebody's happy, we're happy. When somebody's sad, we're sad. If, if one person loves me or approves of me, I feel good. If, if they don't, I feel bad. Only God is infinitely wise. He's infinitely good. He's infinitely kind. He's infinitely loving. So I want to encourage you to worship him. Give your life to God. Give your life to God. Take your bucket list. Let's make our bucket list and look for what God has on that bucket list. Now, as far as it goes, you're going to look through, as far as the bucket list goes, we're going to look through Romans chapter 12, and you're going to see item after item that God says, I want to do this. I want to do this. Uh, think out the implications of, of Romans 1 through 11, the gospel, what Jesus does in our life. And, and you know what? The gospel is what is going to change your life. When you come before God and you say, God, I'm coming to you as a living sacrifice, and you come up to his word and you see, you see things in his word, and here's what happens. He challenges your life. He changes your life. Let me give you an example. Francis Schaeffer was a, a great thinker of our day. Uh, he, he gave a talk on, to a Congress on World Evangelism in 1976. And so basically it was a group of people that came together to talk about how are we getting the word of Jesus out around the globe. And one of, this was a big statement that he said, and I want you to listen to it because you may or may not agree with his statement. But I want you to catch the fact that the power of the gospel caused him to think. He says this, The Bible does clearly teach the right of property. But both the Old Testament and the New Testament put a tremendous stress on the compassionate use of that property. If at each place where the employer was a Bible-believing Christian, the world could see that less profit was being taken so that the workers would have appreciably more than the going rate of pay, the gospel would have been better proclaimed throughout the whole world 
than if the prophets were the same as the world took and then the large endowments were given to Christian missions and other projects. You see, Francis Schaeffer said for him, the fact that Jesus died on the cross, that Jesus came back to life again, that affected business. It would affect his business and it should affect all of us. He was referring to an Old Testament principle. It's called gleaning. God would tell the, in the Old Testament, he said, if you own the field, I want you to, uh, whenever your workers go pick it up, I want them to leave extra food out there. Purposefully leave food so that some of these people that were in need could come over and still work and would be provided for. Wow. The gospel is impacting Francis Schaeffer to the point where he says, look, if we could do that worldwide, it'd be far greater than if we would send all the money in the world to Christian missions. Pretty powerful thought. Uh, here's the other thing. Romans 12, 1 and 2, when you give your life as a sacrifice, it's going to give you, uh, it's going to affect your inner self. These are all been things that are on the outward. It's also going to affect the inner. Uh, be all that God has made you to be is the second thing on your, on your bucket list. The second thing that God wants on your bucket list is for you to be all that he made you to be. Remember the, uh, remember the army had that, had that a while back? Be all that you can be. In the army, right? You remember that? All right, you should have sung it with me. Help me out, all right? Um, for, for God has made you and he's gifted you. He's got something that he wants you to do. He hasn't just left you here with the, without the ability to do what he wants you to do. Now, that's pretty powerful. And we know that from verse 3. Check out verse 3 here. Um, verse 3 says this. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you should, more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. He says, for by the grace, based upon grace that God has given me, I'm telling you, don't think of yourself more highly, but think of yourself with sober judgment. Now, I want you to catch this. What does, what, what does sober mean? Sober means accurate. Uh, have, have a sound mind. Be thinking accurately. He says that you will not think too highly of yourself. You see, don't think more highly of yourself. And for years, that's where I stopped because I think most people go there, right? But he says, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Think of yourself accurately. In other words, you won't have too low of a self-esteem either. You see, Christ followers are not these people who are like, well, I can't do nothing. Woe is me. No, we, have, we are identified in Christ. Christ died on the cross. You are his child. And as his child, he says, I want you to think accurately about yourself. I'm a child of God. And my performance does not equate my love. My performance does not equate God's love for me. And so he says, come and think of yourself with sober judgment. Let me show you what grace does. Grace, grace is this. Grace is I am completely loved by God. And so when I'm understanding that I'm completely loved by God, I can't earn this, I, can't, I don't deserve it. First of all, grace gives me peace of mind. You'll have peace of mind. Um, it, it, you know, that will permeate your life. Uh, grace means that God is for us and not against us. So anything, something bad happens in your life, you can go right to the grace of God. God is for me not against me. Wow, what a powerful thing. 
God is for me, not against me. Uh, if, you, if you understand your role in the body according to grace, then it's what's best for you and the body. So God is going to use, according to his grace, he's going to work in your life. Secondly, it makes me humble. Grace makes me humble. When I understand that God gave all this for me, Romans 1.16 says, If it is by grace, it is no longer by works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. The, the grace of God, he cares. It, God's riches at Christ's expense. He's giving you this love, this kindness, and you don't respond to that in pride. You respond to that in humility. A grace gives power. God's grace gives power. Why? Because it's God who's giving the grace. So if you're a living sacrifice, you know what he continues on in the next verse, verse 4? He continues on to say basically that you'll be a servant. A living sacrifice is going to become a servant of God. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. 200 bones in your body, multiple muscle groups, the brain. You've got all kinds of things. The brain is no good without the rest of the body. Your foot is no good without a brain. Some of, some, of, some of us would be good without the mouth, wouldn't we? <laughs> you know? It's like, whoop, I made a mistake there, right? But it's like, you know what? You don't say to the other members, hey, I'm no good. God's, and so, so he continues on here. He says, that's how the body of Christ is just like your body. And the next verse, verse 5, tells us this. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace God's given us. So according to his grace, God has given us different gifts. Every one of us have a different gift, all right? If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Now, don't let that word prophesying scare you. A lot of times when people hear prophesy, they think of somebody telling the future. Here, the, it's, more, it's more of a forth-telling than foretelling, okay? You could take the word prophesying out. You could put the word preaching. If a man's gift is preaching, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Uh, if it is serving, let him serve. If his gift is teaching, let him teach. The next page. Um, if, it, if it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And so what I've noticed about the family of God is this, that every member has a gift, everyone. When God saved you, he saved you for a purpose, and he has something that he wants you to do before you leave this earth. And not only did, not only did he save you, but he gave you a purpose, and he gave you the gifts to do it. So the fact that you're living in western Pennsylvania, the south hills of Pittsburgh, God has something he wants you to do. And he's given you the gift for what he wants you to do. He's gifted me differently than he has you, and he's gifted you differently than the person next to you. And God, in his infinite wisdom, says, this is how I'm going to work. So if we understand that he's infinitely wise, he's infinitely loving, then I don't have to keep going for the what if, I go for, okay, God, you give me this job tomorrow. You give me this family. You give me these relationships. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to function according to your plan. So with, with all of our different gifts, God has given us a plan and he wants you to do something. And so I want you to think with me about this. This is all predicated on Romans 12.1. I beg you, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
It's kind of interesting. He doesn't say, I command you. He says, I beg you. Why? I mean, there's some things in the Scripture It's pretty clear. This is a command. Here he says, I beg you. Because your life will be more full when you step up. When you step up to God and you say, here's my hands, here's my feet. God, I'm giving this all to you, and according to the grace that you've given me, I'm going to serve. I'm going to do, no, 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 this isn't just like, okay, I'll serve you over here, but I'll keep the rest of this over here, and this will be mine. He wants you to surrender that relationship. That relationship. He wants you to surrender that job. He wants you to surrender and say, God, how will you use me today? As we close today, I want you to think about this. The fact that it wasn't a command, it was an urge. It was, I beg you. The fact that we have that, it changes everything. There was a man one day, he was walking his dog. He was a doctor, and he took his dog, and he'd take his dog for a walk every day to the park. And he'd notice at a certain point, all of a sudden, the dog would always tug on the, on the leash. And the dog would want to get away. And so he went through this and went through this. He said, man, I don't want the dog to always, I don't want to always have to be pulling this dog. I want to give this dog freedom. I'm going to let him make his choice, and I'm going to go. We're going to go on the trail, and I'm going to let him loose. So he goes on the trail, and he, he, he comes to the point where that dog's always tugging, doesn't know what it is, you know, can't figure this out. He takes the leash off, and man, that dog, pew, out of sight. The man kept walking down the trail. And all of a sudden, about 10 minutes later, that dog that was out of sight comes back like lightning. Pew! Right next to his master. And that dog, from that point on, always walked next to the master. You know why he walked next to the master? Because there was comfort there. He didn't need a leash anymore. The dog willingly came back. The dog willingly loved being near his master. Oh, the dog could have went out and barked everywhere. The dog could have went and made all kind of problems and, and done his own thing. But when the dog came back to the master, in the presence of the master, there was peace. There was joy. And that dog found life in the presence of his master. And today, I want to submit to you on your bucket list, be all that God made you to be. Because when you do, when you come and you use those gifts to honor Him at your job tomorrow, serving in the church, whenever you give up, whenever you say, God, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to take Your Word. Lord, there's things I'm doing that Your Word says I need to change. Do you know it's for Your benefit? It's for Your benefit. So come and surrender to Him and be free. And then you can walk with the Master, not on a leash. I think too long, too many Christians have been on the leash. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do that. God says, I want a living sacrifice. Let's pray. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, no one looking around, I want to invite you to Jesus Christ. If you've not opened your heart to Jesus, would you respond to him right now? And just say, God, you're, you're the great God of the universe. You died on the cross and you paid for my sin. I invite you into my life right now. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Thank you for rising again. And for others in this room, maybe, maybe you've been on the leash. God wants you just to come back. Maybe you've been running. Maybe you've been out in the, in the park barking a while. God says, just come back. Open your heart to me. 
Open your life. Give me your body as a living sacrifice. And we've got to do it every day. Every day. Lord, be with your people. Help them to discover their gifts. Help them as they begin to understand how you made them and, and the, the gift that you gave them to do what you've called them to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand up and sing?